0: first of a two-part session on the revelation of intercession um, as you all know we are a house of prayer that also does church we are not a church that is that has a prayer room the distinction to me is everything everything we do in this house revolves around prayer everything in this house it is we are going for a 24-7 day and night night and day mission based prayer room and 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 it is has been seated in by God if you haven't had an opportunity to to um hear of the um, houses of rubable prophetic history, I encourage you to get it because we have a nine year prophetic history of signs and wonders, signs in the heavens and wonders on the earth, and how God set us in place because he was after a company of people who would say yes to his spirit for this hour and who would not shrink back but would go forward and do great exploits. And I'm not just talking about signs and wonders and miracles in the marketplace like we've been seeing. I'm not just talking about a company of people who know how to go out and how to raise the dead, how to prophesy, how to heal the sick, how to cast out demons. But I'm talking about the friends of God those that know their place before him, that their heart is so rent with, with affection for God, that they know that they have full authority to go before his throne and to cry out before him and say, oh God, would you have mercy on this nation? And I feel like that we have reached an hour of time in America where there, that, the, the trumpet has sounded And the Lord has been speaking to us and telling us, get on the wall. Time is of the essence. Get on the wall. Because the enemy has plans for this nation that are not my plans. And unless there is a company of intercessors who know who they are, then the enemy will certainly boil over us. It will run us over. So I say this tonight with great sobriety in my heart and in my mind to tell you that the time for casual Christianity is over. It is over. We have crossed the threshold and we can never go back. And many of us, like Lot's wife, we still look back and we say, I really miss those days when all I had to think about was what was the newest fashion crave? And, and how I was going to plan the American dream and I was going to have the white picket fence. And that was the very thing that consumed our very thought life. But God is saying, I'm coming back. I am coming back. There is a day, maybe a Tuesday, maybe a Thursday, where he is going to come back and he will circle the earth and all will see him. And I believe that time is short and you will be the ones that see this. I will be the ones that see this. If you haven't heard Matthew Escavel's teaching on eschatology, you should definitely get it. It's online. We podcast now. Go to www.hozdallas.com. You must excuse me. I have a um, a cold, and so you take those me- that medicine, in it and then it just dries you out, and you shrivel up, and you're like, "Oh wow, I have no water in my body." So this is. Um, so I'm going to be drinking a lot of water, or Either that or running out of saliva. I don't know. We'll see. So I want to talk to you about intercession because the body of Christ seems to be a little bit confused about what is intercession and what is prayer. Because they're not the same thing. Okay? Prayer is the place where we meditate and we gaze at the beauty of Jesus. We meditate on his beauty. We gaze at his beauty. He shares with us his affections and his opinions of us. And it transforms us from the inside out. As my spiritual mother said, oh, thank God she's finally praying so she can sit down on the inside. And that's really what happens in the place of prayer and when you have a life of prayer. It begins to transform you from the inside out. And you're not this this person that's constantly fighting within yourself but you're somebody who's fully satisfied and who God has created. That's not what intercession is. Intercession is somebody that comes before God to hear what he has to say, and then they say it back to him. Intercession is, is, um, is what we do to actually create life on the earth. We co-labor with Jesus to create life on the earth. See, the Father ordained that Jesus would speak out the Father's plan in intercession. And in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the word said that he spoke it into existence, right? So we know that there was a spoken word, and it resonated all throughout, and it actually vibrated, and it created a form called earth, right? So God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let the waters be gathered together, and it was so. And he said, let the earth bring forth grass, and it was so. Jesus is identified as the creator who spoke and said, let there be light in Genesis 1. He is the one that sustains the universe by his word. Ephesians 3, 9. Jesus creates, he sustains, and he governs in the earth through intercession. He creates, he sustains, and he governs in the earth through the place of intercession. Hebrews 1.3, it is this type of intercession. Jesus upheld all things by the word of his power. Colossians 1.17, and in him all things consist, and that word means all things are established in him. You see, the word authority, the root word of the word authority is author. Everybody wants authority. And he is saying, I am the author of your authority. I am the author of the word that you speak in the place of intercession. So therefore, my authority goes forth from you. I co-labor with you to give you my authority. And I author these words that come from heaven to earth on earth as it is in heaven, and I bring down the words through intercession, and I begin to create, I begin to shift, I begin to sustain, and I begin to govern through my people. It is not the same place as prayer, but it is a place of intercessors. It is a place where it gets birthed within you and you begin to carry the burden of the Lord and you feel it begin to ignite within your heart and the word comes up, it comes up and it begins to rumble and you feel the authority as you speak it and you know you just pressed back on evil and you released the light of heaven. And the shift has taken place. Amen? Water. (coughs) You see, God takes this so seriously that He told Moses, I want you to speak to that rock and I want you to command that rock to release water. What was He doing? Moses was standing in the gap between God and the children of Israel. He was standing there as an intercessor, hearing what God said, and then releasing the word of the Lord to provide provision and release sustenance. But what did he do? He hit the rock, didn't he? God was so grieved by that that he said, you you don't look at the, the power of my word and let that be enough, but you think you have to add to it with your actions. But it is the power of the word that comes from heaven that will be the thing that God says those who trust in my word and understand the power of my word will be the ones that make history. Amen? When Jesus articulates the Father's thought, he functions as the living word. The reason that he's called the word, the reason that Jesus is called the word is because he brings God's ideas into existence. All of the thoughts, the concerns, the opinions that God has about you, the opinions and the thoughts and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, and what he's thinking about America right now, those are all within his imagination and within his mind. And he's saying, I'm going to re- begin to release this to my people so that they can release it in the earth, govern and sustain us. When we speak the word of God, we're co-laboring with him to create life. <coughs> <Sorry>. <coughs> Thank you. Amen. I received that. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So sorry. All things were made through him. All things were made through Jesus. He was standing in heaven on that day when, it was, when the earth was created. And he knew what was in his father's heart and what was in his father's mind. And he gave life to it because he gave words to it. And he's still doing that today. But he's looking for a company of people who are called by his name. You are saying, here am I, God, send me. I'm going to stand in the gap on your behalf. I'm going to stand between evil and your people. And I'm going to hear your word and I'm going to release your word. Ezekiel 22, so I sought for a man and among them. Who would make a wall? Who would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land? That I should not destroy it, but I found no one. His eyes are seeking the earth to and fro, and he's saying, Who is it that will stand in the gap on my behalf? Who will give themselves to this place of laboring day and night, night and day? God brings us forth in blessing and power as Jesus speaks his word over our lives. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Of his own will, he's the one that brought us forth by the word of truth. And we're walking along in our lives, and the word of God is, the word of truth is going out and is creating and burning a pathway for us to walk in. Because Jesus is listening to what the Father is saying. And he's saying, I'm going to release that over you. I'm going to release my word. My word. And it creates life. And it creates a pathway for you. The word is like a sword to strike Satan's domain. And that is what we are called to do in this hour. We are called to stand and to strike at Satan's domain because his plans and purposes for this nation is to destroy it. But God, God has plans for this nation that it would be abundant and prosperous and releasing missions all over the earth. <clears throat> his thoughts and plans for this nation has not changed. He still sees us as a guardian of Israel. He still sees us as a place where a great Awakening is upon us. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, he used God's word like a sword to strike at Satan's domain. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He said this, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus said... It is written, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord. See, when you're in a place of intercession and you know you have the word of God, something rises up in you where you understand that you have that kind of authority to say you shall not tempt the Lord your God for I have already been given victory. There was an intercessor, and his name was Reese Howell. I encourage you to have, if you've never read this book, it's called Reese Howell's The Intercessor. I encourage you to get it. It's a really old book, and it's a really old story, but yet it never gets old. See, Reese Howell was put on the wall by God during World War II, and he had a college full of young adults, who he had trained, because he was a man that followed God, he followed him to Africa with no money, no money in his pocket, and the Lord told him, he said, I want you to go get in line at that train station. And he's like, well, I don't have any money. So he just went and stood in the line, and the woman behind him tapped him on the shoulder and said, I'm, I'm not going to be able to make this, this train, so do you want my ticket And I mean, he led a life of miracles like that. And the Lord provided for him the whole time he was in Africa, brought him back to England to start a school, a college. He ended up giving him and giving him this massive amount of land with all of these beautiful estates where he started his school. Then comes along World War II. I want to draw you a picture because all of Hitler's army was descending upon England in that hour. And he had gone into prayer and he said, God, I have to hear what your thoughts are about what is happening to my nation. He already had a history in God. He already had confidence that he heard the voice of God. And so we went to that place. The Lord said, I want you to prophesy. That Hitler will be brought down and England will be victorious. So Reese Howell, as World War II was declared, as they said, we are at war. Reese Howell published in the newspaper the prophecy that God had given him. And it looked looked ridiculous because here you have the mighty army of, of Germany and you've got You've got um, England, who is going through a very difficult time financially, so they had very few planes, very few people in the army. So when all of Hitler's planes and 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 armies arrive at Dunkirk, all of the um, all of the um, warplanes, the German warplanes, are bombing England. And they're destroying the nation with their bombs. But what happened? In that time and in that hour when it looked the darkest for England, there was a man and a company of people who were praying night and day, day and night. And they were praying with the assurance of the word that God had given them. And they were praying with hope. I want to read this to you from his own words, what he said. In spite of this apparent setback, you see, at the setback was when all of their planes had been destroyed. They only had a very small company of planes left, war planes left. They had no hope. They had 500,000 of their army trapped in Dunkirk. And they have the German army descending upon them. There was no hope. And this is what he says. In spite of this apparent setback, as we read the diaries of the daily college meetings, we find ourselves among certainly not a fearful company, nor even chiefly among a praying one, but rather among those who are already on victory ground when all around men's hearts are failing them for fear. And what gave them such clarity and assurance that theirs was the victory? He said, it was the prophetic word that we got, and we knew that we were already victorious. You see, the word of God had already created life within them, and no matter what they saw, they still continued to pray and declare with faith. And so what happened is on the day they had two days left before Germany was going to completely destroy and wipe out half a million of English countrymen. And they said they continued to worship God. They began to praise him for his victory because they knew no matter what things looked like, no matter what Satan had planned for them, they had the word of the Lord. So. On that day, clouds start rolling in and a deep covering covers Dunkirk. And even though Hitler had sent his planes to destroy them, the planes could not find the men. So they were able to get with little boats, little boats and yachts, personal yachts of people in the land. They were able to get half a million people out of Dunkirk. I'm telling you, when the intercessors are on the plan, the enemy is going to lose. This is why we pray night and day and day and night. Jesus will use the sword or the rod of his mouth or inaccessory decrees to remove all resistance to his rule. Out of his mouth will come a sharp sword that with it will strike the nations and he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth through his intercessors. He governs the earth through his praying church. He governs the earth Through those who hear his voice and they release it in that hour. And as evil is approaching, as evil is overrunning, we are standing in the gap and we are pressing back with the word of the Lord. Not with fear, but with faith. The word intercessor means to strike upon, cause to light upon, to cause to entreat to cause to intervene, to make attack, and to reach the mark. Jesus is the high intercessor. He is the high priest, and he stands before God interceding for us night and day. He has plans for to prosper this nation and to prosper everyone in it. So you have to ask yourself, why is it then does God allow bad things to happen? Right? Right? This is an age-old question, bad things, good people, that math doesn't work, because we know we have good God, we have very evil demon who's on the prowl to destroy the plans and purposes for this nation, and so what is it that God does is he raises up a rampart of intercessors and he begins to say, get on the wall. You are in the hour of terror. And he doesn't say that to shake us or to scare us, but he says that to give us confidence of our victory that he's told us beforehand so that we can extract mercy and say, oh God, would you have mercy? Would you give us the word of the Lord so that we know how to pray? He releases justice in response to intercession. Intercession is not just about pushing back a battle, but intercession is about releasing the angelic hosts over a city day and night, night and day. When you have a place that prays day and night, night and day, what happens? You have an increase of angelic activity that's in a city all of the sudden. What happens? Everybody begins to prophesy more accurately pastors that, are, that don't even have dreams and visions are having dreams and visions. Wait a minute, what's up with that? So you have an awakening that begins to happen in the place and around the area where you have day and night, night and day prayer. And I tell you what, people can give my Bickle a hard time all they want, but when revival hits this nation, I will guarantee you, Father will put it in the account of the intercessor and not in the account of the evangelist. Because intercession and prayer precedes revival every single time. Where were, the, where were the disciples? They were in the upper room, weren't they? Before revival happened. Examples of God's justice healing, revival, soul winning, end time judgments. God's judgments against evil governments and their actions, righteous legislation, God's judgment on unrighteous laws, bringing them down, unity and reconciliation in the churches and the families and society, holiness. Beloved, I'll tell you that when you see, when you begin to see a holiness movement, you know that the intercessors have been on the scene crying out day and night to God. When you begin to see hunger arising in people that they would choose a life opposite what the culture says, you know that the intercessors are on the scene praying day and night. When you begin to see the prophetic, the signs and the wonders increase in the land, and it's like, oh, somebody's leg grew out today. Whatever. That happened the day before and the day before and the day before. What's happened? The intercessors are on the scene. Jesus requires night and day prayer as a condition to release justice. He will rule by intercession in the millennial kingdom The father commissioned Jesus to rule in the midst of his enemies in this age. And from the father's right hand, Jesus rules by releasing his rod of strength through his obedient praying church. He will rule by intercession, which is referred to as the rod of his mouth. And the picture of Moses is a perfect picture of how God is going to use the rod of his mouth how Moses went about to the enemy of the children of Israel, and he he said he brought the judgments of God to him. He parted the Red Sea. It was very clear about how the rod is coming out of his mouth. The sword of the Spirit will be coming out of the mouth of the intercessors in this hour. And I want to give you an example as I wrap up a testimony of how we've seen this in our own lives. When we first um, started here in the building, we'd already been praying about three years. We had heard that the Super Bowl was coming to to Dallas. And along with it, we knew that um, and found out that there would be a wave of of human trafficking and sexual slavery. And some of these girls would be as young as um, five years old. And so they would import, and had there was a history of reports. We knew this from, from um, history of reports that we'd received from other Super Bowl cities and cities that had, had major sporting events, they, that the pimps will import upwards of 20,000 children and young women, <clears throat> about 50% of them being uh, sexual slaves, meaning that they were there. They were not there on their own um, eminent, uh, um, their own accord. Thank you. So anyway, so we began to pray about this, and we'd already had, we already had a justice set, and we were already, we'd been praying about it for years, but we just got in that place in prayer and got into that groove with God, and this thing rose up in us, and, and we felt like the Lord was saying, not in this city, and not with our children, And we had this righteous indignation that rose up in us. And we were declaring not in this city and not in this nation. So we called a 21-day fast. And we called the whole city to come together and to fast and pray and for everyone to get on the wall. And we had we had like a 24-7 prayer watch here, like, like a, a week before, or I forgot all the details. But anyway, so the whole city was involved 24-7 prayer and fasting and worship 21 days beforehand. So during that time, um, a friend of ours had a dream, and in the dream... Um, there was a young girl that was that was held captive in, in sex slavery. And um, she was crying and sorrowful that she, about the condition of her life. And in the dream, Jesus was catching the tears. And when the tears hit her hand, they were turning to ice cubes. And so then she wakes up. And so the week that we are supposed to have the Super Bowl, something began to happen. It began to snow. And we're like, oh, it's snowing, cool. We're praying, fasting, interceding, right? Well, then it begins to have an ice storm, right? Well, it keeps snowing and icing and snowing and icing and snowing and icing. And this went on for seven days. All of the schools were shut down for five days. That's never happened before in Dallas. We have never had, and it happened all over America and up through the Midwest and part of America. So the highways were shut down all across America, and in Dallas, there was absolutely no prostitution. The pimps couldn't even get into the city. You see, beloved, history belongs to the intercessors. If I were an evangelist, could I go out and and stop sex trafficking over a whole city? But God says, who is going to release the sword out of their mouths? And so my friend called me and she said, I got a revelation about this dream. The Lord said, those ice cubes are his just ice. It is his justice that he would save these women. That is what I call victory. Reese Howe is what I call victory. And I'm telling you with what's going on right now and the posture that this nation has taken over Israel, How we have left Israel completely uncovered. I'm telling you, we have put ourselves in a very dangerous situation. And from what the Lord is showing me, I'm telling you, there is danger afoot. We are in danger right now. I cannot tell you about the urgency of what the Lord is showing us, but I'm telling you that we are in big trouble in this nation. And so it is time, it is time for you to look at your day timer and you begin to prefer the hour of the watchman because there will not be a nation if we don't do this. And on Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about some of the prophetic words over the nation, and I'm not saying these things to scare you, but I'm saying these things to tell you that God has a plan of victory, but he's got to have people that get on the wall for the plan. And so if you can fog a mirror, you need to be on the wall. I'm telling you there's nothing more important that you could be doing right now Nothing. If you love this nation, you have got to be in a place of prayer. You have got to be in a place of intercession. Let this sink into you. Now, on Monday nights, we have prayer and intercession for Israel from 8 to 10 p.m. It's amazing. It's powerful. Holy Spirit shows up. We're all praying in tongues the whole place. I mean, you can feel the power behind the words. Tuesday nights, we're praying for justice. But right now, we're praying for America because we're hearing the the trumpet call. God is blowing the trumpet over this nation. He's saying, watchmen, you better get on the wall. You better get on the wall because the enemy is is, on the move. So on Sunday, I'm going to be telling you some prophecies over this nation and some reasons why to give you a little bit more um, ammunition against the the enemy and to give you some understanding of the urgency of the hour. But what we want to do right now, Kat, come on up, is we want to, um, is everybody okay? Is everybody okay? Is everybody still with me? I hope that wasn't too heavy. But I feel like I can talk to y'all like family. And if I were, I mean, there's nobody that I would rather go to war with than the group of people that are sitting here today. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to go into a time of intercession. (music) we <music>